I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Week 10, Spartan Pride podcast around college football. We go where we start we're going to start the show. Pick six to start it off. We got a lot to cover today. The CFP rankings. I will just lay out for you what I think of those and why we're not really going to talk about them because it's become kind of a joke since 2016 and it looks destined to be a joke for quite a while. Michigan State head coaching thoughts as Urban Meyer seems to be getting close to decision time, eh? Thoughts on the brewing scandal at Michigan that may change before this show airs. This is changing by the moment. Really looking troublesome for the blue. There's potential criminal issues. Really potential civil matter, to be honest with you, for a whole lot of gamblers, depending on how they're made whole when all this falls out. And of course, enforcement and on the field ramifications and issues. Everyone's looking for the NCAA and Big Ten to get on their horse and do something. I, well, we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes, but nothing's happened yet. That surprised some folks, but the week is a long way from over. Let's just put it that way. This is it. Week 10, Spartan Pride Podcast, Fans First Sports Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We got to change it up and start with a pick six this week because there's some real interesting stuff. Now, I hope you enjoyed the Maction earlier this week or yesterday, and there's more Maction today, which is great. It's going to escalate on Saturday. There's games of interest and note. The first one is out West, and I do think it's interesting. We're talking about Washington at Southern Cal. What in the world is going on at Southern Cal? Their head coach is out. Does he have the virus? Does he have something else? Nobody really knows. Free falling a little bit. Southern Cal, they lose. It's hammered by Notre Dame. Lose to Utah, closer maybe than the score suggested. And they beat Cal in like an 11 overtime game that, um, you know, nobody nobody really saw. Um, I think it was on that soon-to-be-defunct Pac-10 network. You know, though, we will say that, you got to say that the um, the game they had against um, the Utes, you know, Utah won that one on, on the final, final play, final kick. So what you have is Southern Cal gutted. 
last stand for them, really. They got Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. If they go 3-0, and maybe they got something somehow, maybe. I don't know. Washington going on the road, not a big road environment. Can they get into timing? This one looks like a passing fiesta. It's a no-brainer for the pick six. That one is going to be a future Big Ten game. It is a 7.30 game on ABC. You know what? We got to stay out west. UCLA at Arizona State is not a game, or Arizona rather, is not one you should sleep on. Too few of you stayed up way late with me and others last week to watch Arizona finish. Handle Oregon State. Arizona is a 5-3 and three football team. UCLA, pretty hot start. Five, I'm sorry, six and two football team. This one is going to be worth time to watch as well. How about that call that set Dabo Swinney off on a public embarrassment, really? Dabo stayed in college football too long. I've been saying this for a couple of years. A lot of other folks probably have thought it. You took the call the other day. He went bananas and explained on air what he should have been explaining only to his therapist or to his team. Now he's got Notre Dame at noon this week. Notre Dame at Clemson. I hate to say we around the Spartan Nation have seen this movie before, but what we're seeing with Dabo Swinney is a guy that did not retire or move on to the NFL when he should have. Now it's falling out and it's getting ugly. Mark D'Antonio stayed too long. Chris Peterson probably left when he should have. Looking at it, maybe maybe a second early, but he probably left when he should have. And Dabo Swinney appears to have hung on too long. The sport has changed. He doesn't like it. It's overflowing. It's not good for anybody. It's good for the pick six, though. Notre Dame at Clemson, noon on Saturday. Later in the day, nastiness in the Mid-Atlantic. I know a little bit about Penn State and Maryland. These guys don't like each other. There's a couple of reasons why. Here's the nuts and bolts of it. College football really doesn't exist in the Mid-Atlantic. It really doesn't exist. Um, if you want to be a college football person for decades, you're really your option was Penn State, and they were not even in the Big Ten back then. So now you have Penn State. They kind of own the DMV area a lot, historically, more than anyone else. And Maryland pokes up here and there at a great coaching staff, obviously, with the likes of James Franklin, Bill O'Brien, and others when they made a little run in a weak ACC. Coach Locks is there trying to rebuild, trying to get Maryland to measure up up front. These guys don't like each other. It's a, it's a measuring stick for Maryland. How far have you come? Are you there yet? That is going to be the question answered this weekend. I would like you to take a look at Kansas at Iowa State, because if you want to see a potential face plant, this is 101, folks. Off a improbable win over Oklahoma, carrying goalposts through the streets, Lance Leipold is hot, the Jayhawks are rocking, absolutely rocking. They got to step into Ames, Iowa. Quietly, five and three, Iowa State team. Five-way tie atop the Big 12. Matt Campbell is a young guy. He was not ready when he really blanketly declined Michigan State in 2020 right away. I think he's a guy that would want that job now. 
if Matt Campbell finishes the season well, he's going to get some eyes and some ears, and people are going to say, oh, maybe we ought to take a look at Matt Campbell. We'll talk more about that later. But this is one that you're going to want to check out. Kansas at Iowa State in Ames in the cold Saturday night. That is five ball games. I think the sixth is a Big Ten one. And listen, I don't really care about the LSU at Alabama game. I don't think that's that interesting. I, I don't. I just I, I don't see that being interesting. Uh, I don't think LSU is going to present much of a challenge. I don't think either team is really that good. I am interested in Illinois at Minnesota. We talked last week about the motivation mounting for the Gophers. They do not have the easiest game in the world this week. Sleep on Brett Bielma at your own peril. Last time Illinois was out, they blew a game to Wisconsin that they really should have won and could not put away. The Illini are three and five. The Illini can spoil Minnesota's run and throw some significant turmoil into that JV division of the Big Ten West if they shock, shock, shock the Gophers at 3.30, 2.30 Central on Saturday. Folks, these are the six most interesting games in the history of college football this weekend. We call them the pick six. We're going to mix it up. We start the show with that this time. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about the ridiculous CFP ranking system, where they jumped the shark, and why they just don't really matter very much on this edition of the Spartan Bride Podcast. Are you excited for the college football playoff initial rankings? <laughs> no. What a joke. What a joke those things have become. And now, what do you do? It's so funny. You know, no one in the media is going to say a thing about Michigan until the hammer comes down. The television is a business. That's okay. They're not going to say, hey, don't listen to this because one of the teams in the top four is probably going to have their entire record thrown out for 2023. So, you know, don't, don't worry about it until after that. My issue is not there. My issue is what happened to this darn thing from the start. We could take a lot of time and talk about ESPN arguably saving the ACC and how bad of an idea that was and one that's still dealing with a fallout today. But let's just start with the playoff itself. For those of you too young or that can't remember, the way this was set up and agreed to was that the conference title games would be the first round of the playoff. And then after those, they would pick the four best out of the teams that won the conference playoff game, that won the conference championship game. When the committee dropped that, you saw some initial members of the committee drop out. I think Pat Hayden was one or Archie Manning, people coming up with, oh, I'm going to have a surgery or this or that. Make of that what you will. I don't think they dropped out for any other reason than they saw this thing was becoming a farce. The playoff worked for... The first two years and the third year, it jumped the shark and out the door it went. 2016 playoffs should not have had Ohio State in them. Absolutely not. Penn State won the Big Ten. They were the eligible to be picked. The genius committees, and again, people defected before and after this, they picked Ohio State. Clemson ran them 31-0. But the problem was that was the damage 
The damage to the playoff was done then. It jumped the shark at that time. You know, Pat Fitzgerald laid it out best at one Big Ten media day. I think it was either the year after. Uh, I mean, he's done it a bunch of times, basically saying, you can call it what you want, but it, it's it, it's the BCS. Um, you know, it was kind of a clown show. And it became a clown show that day. And ever since then, it's not something that I think you take very seriously. Um, it's a shame. It shouldn't have been this way. It shouldn't go down like this. The simple fact is if you win the conference title, you should be eligible and they need to, to drop one of those. But they went out the window in 2016. So why would you get excited about this thing now? You have one team that's very likely going to be completely ineligible, possibly as soon as later this week. And you have too many big games to play to get all riled up about it. So I wouldn't worry about it. Do whatever you want. That's what I think about the playoff. I think it's bad. The idea of expanding it is ridiculous. All you need is one more team, really one more team, than necessary to have a good playoff. Simple to me is a 16 playoff. And you put it like this. You have the five conference champion winners. You have one at-large pick, wildcard pick, but that team could not have played in the conference title game. So if you have LSU and Alabama and Alabama loses the SEC title game, well, I can LSU and Georgia and LSU loses the SEC title game, LSU is not eligible to be picked for the wildcard spot. You can call that the Notre Dame exception if you want, which is what it was pitched as almost 10 years ago. I don't care what you call it. That would be a lot better. See, ideally, you have one more team in the playoff than necessary to figure out what the best team in the country was. The more teams you bring into the playoff, the more likely you're going to get a tournament, which is what is unfortunately happened to the big dance. It's not really great at identifying a national champion anymore. And if you flip over to Major League Baseball right now, I don't know why you do that because you're just seeing a bunch of tournament winners. You're not seeing the best teams in the country. So I think that's enough about the CFP. If you want to know why you don't ever hear me talk about that or talk about the Wendy's or whoever's sponsoring the Heisman Trophy, now you've got a better idea. <laughs> but if you're with me this long, you probably have read my stuff in the past. You probably followed my writing and work at Spartan Nation for 13 plus years and you probably know where i stand on that this sport is out of control in many ways it's disorganized it lacks leadership and it stinks from the top with the ridiculous college football playoff rankings they want you to pay attention to now while the team may be ranked first or second is not likely to be eligible the way it looks right now really very I would I don't I don't know if there's a betting line but I would bet against Michigan being allowed to participate in the college football playoff this year. And we're going to talk about their issues next as they are growing by the day, hour, minute. The Spartan Bride podcast as we go around the world the college football. You know, word broke, pictures broke. It's everywhere. Did Michigan's chief spy guy, did he get a field pass and line up on the sideline at Michigan State to open the season? What's going on here? Hmm. Here's the first thing. By the time you hear this, it's probably very likely that somebody will already know the answer to this. 
I've had field passes to cover uh, Michigan State football from the field going back to 1999 was the first time. People know who have those passes. So what you have here are the passes that Central's given a bunch of to hand out. It's not going to take Central 15 minutes to figure out whether this guy was on the sideline or not, or exactly who was on the sideline that day. And if somebody's trying to hide an identity, whether it be under Jim McElwain, their head coach, or whether it be under um, their recruiting coordinator or anybody else, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So we should know really quickly whether or not anybody involved at Central was actually handing a pass to Mr. Stallions to sit, stand on that sideline with the sunglasses. That was a game a while ago. I actually do remember seeing us. I don't think anyone else had the glasses on. I do remember, I think, seeing uh, later in the, the game. I'm like, wow, this guy's got glasses on. That's kind of weird. Not thinking anything of it. Not thinking anything of it. Obviously, nobody thought anything like, like this was going on. But this is another wrinkle into a investigation that's going at a hyper speed and it has to. There's a gambling element to this, folks. It's probably driving the entire thing. What happens to millions of dollars that were bet on and against Michigan football in 2021, 2022, 2023, if it's proven that they did an illegal and overstepped and went way out of bounds by organizing a basically spying, sign-stealing campaign? That's the first thing. That's a large issue. Are there any civil remedies or civil actions that would be taken by betters who may be posed out of thousands of dollars against Michigan and or Stallions, etc. So you have an enforcement issue from the Big Ten and NCAA that they need to probably get out ahead of and go ahead and, and pull the plug on what we think is going to happen. My prediction is Michigan is going to lose 21, 22, and all of 23 that they basically scouted for. That would include the Michigan State 40 to 9 to nothing win for Michigan if and only if it proves that Mr. Stallions was, in fact, on that sideline. That would be a violation of NCAA rules. So you got an enforcement issue. You've got potential civil issues. Those are a longer shot. You've got the gambling issues. What are they going to do to right the people that got wronged? And you potentially have some criminal issues. Look, it's not crazy for the FBI to look into any kind of computer crimes. That doesn't mean there's any that were committed or anybody's going to be charged, but it's not a bad idea. There are protections in place when you're talking about kids' grades and other stuff. And I, I frankly don't know if Michigan football would even have access to any of that stuff. I would hope that they don't. They probably don't need to. But it being investigated in different areas, including criminal and enforcement by the Big Ten NCAA, none of that's a big surprise. What is a surprise? A little bit is that we haven't heard anything yet. I, I was not sure we'd see Jim Harbaugh at a press conference this week. As we say here in the middle of the week, I don't know for sure that we'll see him on the sideline on Saturday. Nothing would surprise anybody at this point. This is a truly unprecedented situation that just took a wild card of a turn with the news and photos and investigation to find out who was the guy with the goatee and the sunglasses on the sideline Labor Day Friday in Central Michigan gear. Who was it? Why was he there? What was he doing? It's just the next wrinkle. The next wrinkle in a big web that I believe in the end of the day, and that day's coming pretty soon, 
It's probably going to cost Michigan all the games in 21, 22, and 23. That's just my guess. More as it develops. Next, a couple thoughts on what's going on right now with Michigan State, their head coaching search, and Urban Meyer surfacing. One of the best shows we've had here so far this year has been with Hondo Carpenter talking initially about the Michigan State head coaching search. It's okay to go back and listen to that again because it sounds like we weren't too far off and crazy, were we? We've talked in the past, you and I, about the good that Urban Meyer's interest in Michigan State and Michigan State's interest or entertaining Urban Meyer does for both. I think this rubber's coming to the road pretty soon. We talked about the NCAA needing to explain to Michigan State, can they have two staffs? What can that look like? How does that get divided? Can you actually have two head coaches at a time? I think we're looking pretty close to getting an answer on that. And once that is resolved, that'll help clear the deck. Ultimately, it looks like it's going to come down to a decision from Urban Meyer whether he wants to coach again or not. What if he wants to coach again? He puts a soft deadline on, you know, I think I got maybe three or four, maybe five years, but somewhere in there. And you take a look at hiring somebody like a Max Buller or somebody else that's up and coming and consider grooming them as a coach in waiting. That sounded like it worked pretty well with Ryan Day, didn't it? And me, I was a doubter on Ryan Day being as successful as he was out of the gate. I, I did not know, I did not think that this was actually going to work as well as it has so far for Ohio State and for Ryan Day. So what you have is Urban Meyer is apparently in the mix. Apparently in the mix. Other names I think you need to consider. See what happens this weekend with Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's a guy that should get a look if he finishes well at Iowa State. I think Lane Kiffin remains a call that needs to be made. Lane's got a good job. He's in a good spot, but he's in some big shadows in the SEC. If he wants to get out of those shadows, if he wants to take a job that he can pick up from the bottom and go ahead with, if he wants to apply everything he's learned so far and maybe listen to his old head coach, Nick Saban, uh, who retract his career, maybe he thinks, huh, eh, maybe I should take a look at that. Other guys that are out there are other names you've heard. I, I don't think they're serious until they are. I, I don't buy anything in the Washington State or Oregon State head coach. I don't think much of the Kansas or Kansas State head coach. And I really don't think too much of the Duke head coach, to be honest with you. I still think Pat Shermer is a much better candidate than most of those guys if he wants that job and that responsibility. I don't know that he did in 2020. If you're Pat Shermer, this might be the time. He's been hired as a head coach twice in the NFL, two bad jobs. Everyone knows Pat Shermer's history with Michigan State. I'm very interested to see if he is interested in what he has done to express the interest so far. The bottom line is, this probably needs to move quicker than Michigan State would ever consider working with in the old days. Those old days are gone. I thought we might have some news around November 1st. We have arrived at November 1st. Let's see what happens next. All eyes on Urban Meyer. See if he really wants a piece of the Big Ten again, jumping back in the Big Ten East. Or if this is maybe just something that will convince him he's got a really good spot on TV. And if not Meyer, who? Those are my thoughts as we sit here on November 1st. We went around the world of college football. I hope you had fun. 
This is the Spartan Pride Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. We'll be back to preview Michigan State and Nebraska. Who knows? Maybe some more news between now and then. In the meantime, take a look around the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Jonathan Shop. Thanks for your time, and I will talk to you again soon on the Spartan Pride Podcast.